With Tesla Government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. A comprehensive approach and multinationality is central to the character of corporations. And furthermore, a strengthened deterrence and defense posture is based on a comprehensive approach and multinational combat formations with multinationality applied at all levels. Welcome to the 1CA Podcast, a production of the Civil Affairs Association. I'm your host, Asad Raza. Our guest today is Colonel Frank von Boxmeer, the director of the CIMIC Center of Excellence in The Hague, Netherlands. Colonel van Boxmeer was commissioned in 1995 as an infantry officer. In 2007, he graduated cum laude from the University of Utrecht, where he earned a Master's of Science in Organizational Psychology. As a major, he transferred from the infantry to the Army's Military Psychological and Sociological Service as a researcher. Upon promotion to Lieutenant Colonel, he was assigned to One Corps, German Netherlands, as a Chief Psychological Operations in the Communication and Engagement Division. He deployed with this unit in 2013 to Afghanistan at the International Security Assistance Force Joint Command Headquarters. In 2015, he was selected for the newly established position of Staff Officer Strategic Communications in the First Corps. On the 24th of June, 2019, he was selected for promotion to Colonel and appointed as Director of the CIMIC Center of Excellence in the Hague, Netherlands. Colonel Van Boxmeer, welcome to the 1CA podcast. Major Raza, thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure. No, thank you for your time. Can you tell our audience a bit about your background and your experience with the Civ Mill Cooperation? Yeah, thank you again, Major Raza. I want to start with articulating that I represent the Civil Military Cooperation Center of Excellence, and I'm not articulating NATO positions and policy, only my personal view and those of the CCUE itself. The why of this disclaimer will most likely become clear later in this interview when I explain the position of the CUEs in general and the CCUE specifically. Up front, I apologize for using abbreviation. As a soldier, it's unavoidable, but I will give it a try to avoid using them too often. So regarding my background, I will focus on, for me, most relevant steps in my and this year 40 years career in active service. And hopefully it will shed light on my personal motivation for my current position. Now, after commissioning and having served as a conscript and non-commissioned officer for 12 years, I served five years as a lieutenant and captain in 17th Armored Infantry Battalion Guards Regiment Fusiliers Princess Irene. With the battalion, I deployed twice to Bosnia with the implementation force as a platoon commander in 1996 and as a staff officer operations in the stabilization force in 1998. Now, in hindsight, especially during the first deployment, I think my development started to become a comprehensive thinker. With the reinforced platoon, I was responsible for my own area in the Republika Srpska, one of the two entities comprising Bosnia. And I was responsible for a safe and secure environment in that area. And the milestone event were the first elections after the horrible civil war. And I very rapidly discovered at that moment during the deployment that everything is interrelated and that an integrated approach with all stakeholders in area is necessary for achieving also the military mission objectives. So in essence, it was civil military cooperation in all aspects with for me a focus on the liaison function and support to non-military actors and the civil environment. 
And support to the force was in fact based on integrating the resulting civil and military situational insight and foresight, which led to the understanding required for effective decision-making and action. And in that time, I also encountered for the first time deployed United States Civil Affairs Field Officers. Now, Major Raja, you highlighted already, selected for promotion to Lieutenant Colonel, I was assigned to 1st German Netherlands Corps, achieved psychological operations, and at a later stage as Staff Officer Strategic Communications in the Communications and Engagement Division. Now, the listener might think that this is a binational headquarters of Germany and the Netherlands, but it's nowadays a multinational headquarters with 12 NATO contributing countries, including the United States. The headquarters in Münster, Germany, is one of NATO's High Readiness Forces headquarters. The headquarters is capable of directing any mission up to 60,000 troops at short notice. Now, the Corps is also considered as leading the way regarding the implementation of a comprehensive approach. And the Communication and Engagement Division of the headquarters institutionalized the cooperation with international, non-governmental and governmental organizations by its Common Effort community. And next to my formal positions, I was involved in the further institutionalization of the Common Effort Community and Officer Primary Responsible for the Yearly Exercise Common Effort, which focused on civil-military cooperation and interaction in a real-world scenario. The latter in support of implementing a truly comprehensive approach. Now, so hopefully I answered your question and shed some light on my background, experience with civil-military cooperation, and my motivation for my current position. Hopefully I did not overload the listeners with information. Sir, I don't think you overloaded them. I, it was really good information. Uh, I learned a lot from uh, not really understanding the first core and the background behind it. So thank you on that. Can you tell us a little more about the NATO Center of Excellences and their structures within NATO? Yeah, so are you aware that currently there are 26 CUEs and two in the process of joining? And by the way, there's one CUE located in the United States, the Combined Joint Operations from the Sea CUE in Norfolk, Virginia, the CJOS. I think that this will come as a surprise for most listeners. Okay, the idea for NATO Accredited Center of Excellence originated in 2003 with the reform of the NATO military command structure. And the first NATO CUE was formally accredited in 2003. A NATO accredited center of excellence is a multinationally or nationally established and sponsored entity which offers recognized expertise and experience within a defined subject matter area to the benefit of the alliance. The number of NATO CUEs is growing and, and CUEs have proven to be a successful and enduring model for strong multinational solutions. So clearly the NATO nations have agreed to take advantage of centers of excellence offered to NATO. And as a result, the NATO command and force structures are supported by a robust network of CUEs, which are nationally or multinationally managed. So 26 knowledge hubs and two in the process of joining that support the transformational efforts of NATO. Sir, thank you. Wow, 26, that's a lot with two more coming in the next couple of years. That's great to know. And I'm sure our listeners are surprised that there is a COE in Norfolk also. So thank you. So what are the reasons for offering a center of excellence to NATO? Can you give us a little background on that, especially now that you have 26? Yeah, there are many reasons why a nation or nations decide to offer a center of excellence to NATO. One of the most common reasons is to contribute to NATO whilst at the same time directly benefiting one or more nations 
in a specific relevant expertise. Now, most of the CUEs are organizations that were already national or international knowledge hubs in the offered expertise. Again, the example of the CJOS in Norfolk, Virginia. In fact, it's a way to exploit and in that way further develop yourself in a specific field of expertise and at the same time assisting NATO in its transformational efforts. And the process is that a NATO nation may decide to offer a CUE to NATO by formally presenting the offer to the chairman of the NATO military committee. And that could either be in response to a military committee endorsed list of requirements or by its own initiative. And based upon Supreme Allied Commander Transformation's advice, coordinated in this case with the Supreme Allied Commander Europe, the NATO military committee may accept the offer and task HQ-SEC-T accordingly to proceed with the process of joining. No, thank you, sir. Thanks for the information on that. So now countries that are wanting to establish a NATO COE, can you provide us what are some of the underlying principles and pillar support for them? Uh, yes, let's start with the underlying principles. The first one is no cost to NATO. So the CUEs are managed and funded by its sponsoring nations. Secondly, they have to conform to NATO procedures, doctrine and standards. Thirdly, there must be no duplication with existing assets in NATO. Furthermore, relationship with NATO's strategic commands is established in specific memorandum of understanding agreements and important relationships with NATO partners are supported and encouraged. This is especially relevant for us as a CIMIC COE. Now, regarding the pillars of support, not every organization can become a NATO accredited COE. In order to become a COE, expertise must be demonstrated in at least three or four NATO transformation pillars. And the pillars are education and training, analysis and lessons learned, concept development and experimentation, and doctrine development and standards. Thank you, sir. And thank you for giving us some of the backgrounds on the transformation pillars. Interesting. But just for clarification, are the COEs part of NATO? This is an excellent question because the position of COEs is not completely clear for many people. Let's start with what is written down in the NATO Military Committee Policy for Centers of Excellence. It states, a COE is not part of the NATO command structure, or of other NATO entities, but forms part of the wider framework that contributes to the functioning of the alliance. So we may say that NATO-accredited COEs have one foot within NATO because they are part of the wider framework that contributes to the functioning of the alliance, and they have one foot outside NATO because they are not part of the NATO command structure of other NATO entities. And this gives COEs greater flexibility in the relationships with other international and civilian entities to the benefit of NATO. Thank you, sir. That's great. How does NATO request the COE products and services from the hosting nations? Uh, NATO entities can request support from a COE by submitting a request for support through the Program of Work tool. This is a process within the Headquarters Supreme Allied Command Transformation COE Program of Work development cycle. And the request for support tool is meant to serve as a constantly available coordination tool between two or more stakeholders. It identifies the requesting organization, the COEs requested to support, a high-level description of the request, and associated timeline. Although requests should usually be entered before June for work to be carried out in the subsequent year, and out-of-cycle requests may be carried out if sufficient capacity and resources exist. And to be clear, NATO cannot task the COEs because they are not under command authority of SECT. However, COEs have a functional relationship with HQ-SECT and are, consistent with their accreditation, expected to uh, prioritize NATO requests, act as a primary advisor to the NATO command structure in their area of expertise when applicable, and they have a responsibility to support NATO within their means and capabilities 
then I will explain that later on, subject to the approval and allocation of resources by, in the end, the steering committee of the CUE. Thank you, sir. That's informative. And it's interesting that the COAs do have some of the flexibility to conduct some of the out-of-cycle requests for uh, nations that are requesting some of the training. So one question, sir. Can nations join or withdraw from a COE after it is NATO accredited? Once it starts, what's the process behind that? Joining is most of the time saluted. A withdrawal is not motivating, but also possible. So the addition of any new sponsoring nation to a COE is done through a notes of joining to be signed by the joining nation and the already participating sponsoring nations. Now, any sponsoring nation may withdraw from the COE anytime with a 12 months notice period. And this makes sense because otherwise it might have an impact on the execution of the actual program of work. So yes, nations can join, withdraw from a COE after being a NATO accredited. Thanks for clarifying that too, sir. Uh, and it's good that you have that transition period of 12 months uh, so it doesn't impact courses that are requested or training. So sir, are NATO accredited COEs eligible for common funding? Now, the message is we have to keep up our own pants. So the COE infrastructure, operating and maintenance costs are the responsibility of the sponsoring nations. Exceptional entitlement for NATO common funding may be established by the appropriate NATO resourcing authority for specific support to NATO funded projects. In fact, no common funding. So the hosting nation has to fund their own COEs. That makes sense, sir. So can NATO partner nations join COEs? Yes, partner nations can join NATO accredited COEs as contributing partners, which means that they will be able to provide inputs and have access to COEs products and services. However, they will not have voting rights in the steering committee like the uh, NATO sponsoring nations. In the end, it will be a separate arrangement concluding with the specific COEs sponsoring nations. Thank you, sir. And thanks for uh, clarifying that between partner nations and actual host nations and the voting rights within the steering committees. One question, sir. Can COEs engage with non-military entities, such as industry and academia? Yes, they can. And moreover, they are encouraged to do so, which of course is especially relevant for us, being the expert in civil-military cooperation and the cooperation with, for example, the United States Civil Affairs Association. And these relationships are managed by the COEs on a case-by-case basis. And for the listeners, for more information regarding the work of the COEs, I recommend to visit ACT's website, act.nato.int, and then look for Centers of Excellence. So, Colonel von Boxmeer, thank you for providing us a background on the NATO COE structures. However, can we dig in a little bit more about your actual uh, COE, the NATO CIMIC COE? Uh, yes, of course. So, first question, when was the CIMIC COE established, and who are the current sponsoring nations? Now, basis of the COE was the multinational CIMIC Group North, a CIMIC capability, uh, with the Netherlands at, uh, as the host nation. And on July 31st, 2007, the COE was activated as a NATO accredited center of excellence, now located in The Hague, the Netherlands. The framework nations are Germany and the Netherlands, which is also the host nation. And current sponsoring nations are Hungary, Italy, Latvia, Poland, and Slovenia. No, thank you, sir. So what is the COE's main line of work? I will depict the organizational structure, and the COE is organized around three output branches. It's training and education, lessons learned and analysis, and concept interoperability and capabilities. So let's start uh, with the training and education branch. The training and education branch functions as the COE's NATO accredited 
education and training facility for CIMIC and CMI. It uniquely combines CIMIC expertise with training and education. And this setting facilitates immediate alignment of CIMIC and CMI courses to NATO's training requirements, its operational environment, and present-day security challenges. And especially the combination of being a NATO-accredited COE and NATO-accredited education and training facility ensures that we are a relevant COE now and in the future. And for the listeners, not all COEs are also a NATO-accredited education and training facility. Furthermore, the CCOE is the NATO department head for CIMIC and CMI, including civil preparedness. Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe, shape J9, identifies the requirements in this field. That's their responsibility. But the CCOE is responsible for matching the requirements with NATO CIMIC and CMI education and training solutions and for the coordination of those solutions. Therefore, the CCOE is responsible for organizing annually a CIMIC and CMI discipline conference with also the civil affairs community represented as stakeholder. And the resulting discipline alignment plan depicts the requirements and its aligned solutions. And the CCOE's responsibility is to ensure that the solutions identified are delivered in the most effective, efficient and affordable manner through NATO allies, partners and non-NATO entities. Now, also efficient and relevant is that the CCOE itself is delivering CIMIC and CMI training and education solutions by offering NATO-accredited CIMIC and CMI courses, not only to the NATO command and force structure and allies, but also to NATO partners in close cooperation with the NATO Partnership Directorate. No, sir. Thank you on that one. I didn't know that civil affairs also participated in the uh, CIMIC and CMI discipline conference. That, that's good to know. So can you uh, continue talking a little bit more about the lessons learned in the analysis branch? Yeah, yeah, of course. The CCOE implemented a comprehensive lessons learned concept that supports the CIMIC and CMI community by providing observations and lessons which foster capability improvement, thus in fact uh, enabling transformation. For example, the focus for 2020 was capturing lessons and best practices from the COVID-19 crisis and assessing the consequences and the resulting adaptation requirements for NATO CIMIC capability, the resilience to civil preparedness concept, and the alliance in general. Another crucial aspect is that identified lessons and best practices immediately find their way to CCOE training and education activities and concepts interoperability and capabilities development. This is the benefit of close proximity and the CCOE's internal integrated approach. No, thank you, sir. Uh, I know you're going to talk a little bit more in the future, and you already gave the website, but some of these lessons learned, they do get published publicly? Yeah, yeah. The, all the unclassified observations, best practices, etc., are published. So uh, I advise the listeners to have a look at, the, at our website. Thank you, sir. Can you please continue talking about the concepts and interoperability and capabilities branch? Yes. As of now, we'll use the abbreviation uh, KIC. The KIC branch of the CCOE is to provide subject matter expertise in the field of concepts, interoperability, and capability development. This includes the contribution to the development of uh, NATO CIMIC policy, doctrine, and standards. An example is that the CCOE is the custodian for the Allied Joint Publication 3.19 for CIMIC and CMI, a key document for the CIMIC community. Now, in order to fulfill its mission, KIC studies the activities of NATO, crucial non-NATO actors like international organizations, particularly the United Nations and the European Union, relevant non-NATO nations and essential governmental organizations and non-governmental organizations. And against this background, 
KIC collects knowledge and experience by conducting and attending relevant seminars, workshops, and conferences, by contributing to and participating in concept development and experimentation, exercises, and studies. Now, being part of the international network, consisting of experts from GOs, IOs, NGOs, civilian universities, research institutes, military academies, and all of the relevant actors, like the Civil Affairs Association, that's crucial for providing state-of-the-art knowledge on CIMIC-related subjects. And for the listeners, for more information regarding the work of the CCUE, I recommend again to visit our website, CIMIC-CUE.org, or follow us on social media. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. Do you have an idea for an upcoming podcast or know someone who may be a good person to interview? Contact us at capodcasting at gmail.com. Our host, Asad Raza, continues his interview with Dutch Colonel Frank von Boxmeer, Director of the Civil Military Cooperation Center of Excellence. Next question, sir. Who approves the program of work and who provides the means? Yeah, the CCUE steering committee is the highest decision-making level body. And the steering committee consists of one representative from each sponsoring nation. Routine meetings of the steering committee take place at least once a year. And the chairman of the steering committee may call additional meetings. That's his responsibility. And normally the steering committee makes decisions by consensus of the representatives. Now the steering committee is the main body for guidance, oversight and decisions on all matters concerning the administration, policies and the operation of the CSUE. So it approves the program of work, provides the means and supervises the execution. No, thank you, sir. So thanks for the background on the steering committee and uh, how it approves the program of works. With that, uh, what is the role of the, uh, the CCOE director, your role, sir? Yeah, to start with, the position is a rotational slot between Germany and the Netherlands, being the CCOE's framework nations. Every three years, there's a transfer of the responsibility of the CCOE. Now, in general, the director, supported by the staff, is responsible for the fulfillment of the mission, the tasks, and the operation, as well as administration of the CCOE. And I report to the chair of the steering committee. A crucial piece of work is the development of the CCUE program of work for the upcoming year, including the requests for funds. Taking into account the requests of NATO, sponsoring nations, contributing partners and others, I prepare and submit a draft program of work to the steering committee for the following calendar year. And the steering committee considers all requests for services and products, including associated costs. 
and then approves the program of work in the yearly steering committee meeting at the end of the actual year. Ah, oh, thank you, sir. Knowing that a little bit, so how is the cooperation between the COE directors institutionalized within this system here? Now, COE directors meet in person on an annual basis during the COE directors conference organized in close coordination with uh, HQ SECT. And although not a formal position within individual COEs, one director is selected amongst his or her peers to be the conference chairman for a period of one or two years. And of course, there are numerous formal and informal contacts during the year of which some with the Deputy Supreme Allied Commander Transformation present because he is responsible for the overall coordination between, uh, between the COEs. Thank you, sir. Next question. What is the background between the CIMIC COE's relationship with the Civil Affairs Association and the overall United States civil affairs community? Now, to begin with, of course, civil affairs forces were always a recognized capability of NATO's multinational forces. And especially during the days of the Cold War, the reforger exercises and operations and other operations and deployments, civil affairs forces were recognized as Furthermore, after the end of the Cold War, United States civil affairs deployed assets in several NATO missions and civil affairs forces are still active in, in numerous countries. Finally, NATO CIMIC and CMI and United States civil affairs mutual role is to support the achievement of mission objectives by enabling commands at all levels to participate effectively in a broad spectrum of civil military interaction with diverse non-military acts. Conclusion, from an interoperability perspective, our relationship was always important. Our rationale for the increased level of cooperation is that developments in the Euro-Atlantic security environment caused a sharp shift in the focus of the alliance back on deterrence and defense, including the possible rapid deployment and operation of U.S. forces on European territory. Since then, new deterrence and defense plans were developed and the potential operational environment also changed significantly. This includes measures like the enhanced forward presence and field exercises, which means that United States troops, including U.S. civil affairs, are interacting and cooperating with functioning NATO nations, governments, society and forces, especially at NATO's eastern flank. Furthermore, I want to mention that the operational environment changed due to the implementation of the NATO force integration units in many countries and the NATO Joint Support Enabling Command. Now, the primary mission of these NATO force integration units is to foster collaboration between national forces and the NATO high readiness forces in times of military political crisis. Specifically, these units provide broad planning support to facilitate the rapid deployment of allied forces to the eastern part of the alliance and support collective defense planning. And they also work with host nations to identify logistical networks, transportation routes, and supporting infrastructure. The Joint Support Enabling Command, the last new kit on the block, their role is to help to speed up, coordinate, and safeguard the movement of allied forces and equipment across European borders. So these relatively new entities might also be crucial pieces in the puzzle for civil affairs. Now, the kick branch reflected on the above mentioned developments within the security environment and realized that there is a necessity to establish a framework for NATO CIMIC and US civil affairs capabilities to explore possibilities of synchronizing capabilities and enhancing interoperability. 
Moreover, CCB branches also identified a growing demand from the United States Civil Affairs side to acquire a deeper knowledge about NATO CIMIC, which could facilitate and improve NATO CIMIC and U.S. Civil Affairs cooperation during their fieldwork activities, mainly but not exclusively on NATO nations' territory. Now, in 2018, Kick Branch initiated the NATO CIMIC and U.S. Civil Affairs Synchronization Project, which focuses on NATO CIMIC and U.S. Civil Affairs familiarization to identify the similarities within the capabilities and exploit the existing professional crosswalks to enhance interoperability, which will in the end lead to greater mission effectiveness when it comes to practical application in the field. In fact, the rationale is that we should enhance interoperability in the field of civil-military cooperation and interaction in peacetime, because doing this during a crisis would be too late. In fact, it's all about knowing each other before you need each other. No, sir. Thank you. And it was a lot of things that you said there that sparked my interest, you know, talking from working with host nations, identify logistical networks, transportation, supporting infrastructures, uh, and also uh, the circumnization project within NATO CIMIC and uh, United States civil affairs community. So thank you. Talking about the civil affairs community, who are the CIMIC COE's key stakeholders within the U.S. civil affairs community? And can you provide some examples of collaboration? Uh, a warning up front, it's a long list. So let's start with the Civil Affairs Association. CCW representatives have been attending Civil Affairs Association organized events like roundtables and symposia since, in fact, 2019 on a regular basis. Uh, we acted as panelists, guest speakers, or contributed to the Call for Papers competition. Noteworthy is that in 2020, the Civil Affairs Association Call for Papers competition, the CCW and a Civil Affairs representative together were awarded for their paper termed United States Civil Affairs and NATO CIMIC, a hybrid solution to defeat the hybrid threats. Next, the Smithsonian Institute. The CCUE participated and will participate with CIMIC SMEs regarding cross-cutting topics in the Army Monument Officers training. I think in March there is a training scheduled and we were requested to support it again. And also the United States Military Academy West Point, and more specifically the Center for Studies for civil military operations. The CCUE is considered as an official partner for collaboration. And in general, the CCUE strives to establish and maintain fruitful professional relationships with the United States Civil Affairs Academia background institutions or associations. From the Civil Affairs Force Providers community, the following entities. Let's start with the United States Army Civil Affairs Psychological Operations Command in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Civil affairs instructors and students from the subordinate headquarters and units support and participate in CCUE training and education activities on a regular basis. It's one of the biggest contributors to CCUE training and education activities in general. Next, the United States Army John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School. Uh, concept and training-wise, the center is considered as the main CCUE point of entry into the United States civil affairs community. They provided input for the civil affairs chapter of the CIMIC handbook, for example. And furthermore, they provided the civil affairs training requirements, which was the solid base of the pilot NATO CIMIC familiarization course content. Furthermore, we cooperated with the 353rd Civil Affairs Command, Staten Island, New York State, United States Marine Corps Civil Affairs Operations School, United States Army 95th Civil Affairs Brigade, and the 21st Theater Sustainment Command. Again, some examples. 
Civil uh, Affairs staff from uh, 95th Brigade, especially from the 91st Civil Affairs and 92nd Civil Affairs Battalions, supported the execution of CCW training and education activities. And also the CCW has built up a strong relationship with 21st Theater Sustainment Command G9 branch. They provided uh, CIMIC SMEs during the CIMIC handbook development and facilitated the singularization product with providing the civil affairs perspective. Now to finish some other examples of cooperation, on request, the CCUE developed a NATO CIMIC training package handed over to the United States Marine Civil Affairs representative in Iraq after Mosul storm 2018. And from 2016 till 2019, the CCUE kick branch delegated CIMIC subject matter experts and supported the Operation Slastilla, United States Civil Affairs Validation Exercise. And in 2019, the CCE was requested to provide introduction lectures about NATO CIMIC for 457 Civil Affairs Reservist Battalion as a part of their pre-deployment training for the Balkan Response 19 exercises. So in summary, we can conclude that the Civil Affairs community is well integrated in the CCE network and execution of the program of work. Sir, thank you. You are right. I think you've hit every touch point where there is civil affairs in the United States, from the Marines to the U.S. Army to our Special Operations Unit in the 95th, and also some of the other places that we have uh, touch points like the Smithsonian Institute and the Army Monument Officer Training Program. That is great that you guys have integrated that well. So talking about all that, sir, what are the actual most relevant areas of cooperation between United States Civil Affairs and the CIMIC COE? Yeah, to start with, the CCUE kick branch within the synchronization project utilizes a threefold approach in which conceptual thinking, training, education activities, and academia lines of efforts are being aggregated. And in my answer of the previous question, I highlighted already relevant areas of cooperation. Now, in November 2019, on the official request from 457th U.S. Civil Affairs Reservist Battalion, a CCUE mobile training team conducted the first pilot NATO CIMIC familiarization course in Grafenburg, Germany. And the actual NATO CIMIC familiarization course is considered as a straight follow-up event of the first pilot. Now, due to the current circumstances and the travel restrictions in place, the first online NATO CIMIC familiarization course was conducted in January this year. At this occasion, the main requester was the United States Army Reserve 353rd Civil Affairs Command headquarters for their headquarters staff members and their subordinate two civil affairs brigades. Our current focus is the preparation and execution of a NATO CIMIC familiarization course in April this year for the incoming United Civil Affairs troops planned to participate in the Steadfast Defender 21 exercise series. And this course is requested by the commander of the 361st Civil Affairs Brigade. And I consider especially this as an example of what it's all about regarding the cooperation and the aim of enhancing interoperability. Sir, thank you. And you're right. That's what it's all about. Collaboration and enhancing interoperability between our forces. So, sir, how do you look at the future? Or in other words, what is the way ahead for the CIMIC COE? Yeah, depending on the yearly approval of the CCUE's program of work by the CCUE steering committee, the CCUE's intent is to continue with the synchronization project. And the reason is obvious. A comprehensive approach and multinationality is, is central to the character of operations. And furthermore, a strengthened deterrence and defense posture 
is based on a comprehensive approach and multinational combat formations with multinationality applied at all levels. Therefore, a timely focus on interoperability, in fact, the ability to act together coherently, effectively and efficiently, is absolutely essential. Now, the CCUE's aim remains to identify commonalities and identify options for synchronization of United States civil affairs and NATO CIMIC in order to enhance interoperability. Also planned, to be a bit more specific, are two requested iterations of the NATO CIMIC familiarization course in the United States in September 2021. Again, in the broader sense, it's all about knowing each other before you need each other. It's too late to consider CIFMIL cooperation and interoperability after a crisis has been identified. And to be absolutely clear, our cooperation is a two-way street. The focus is to exploit the existing professional crosswalks, learn from each other and support each other. I want to conclude with enhancing interoperability in, in this situation bottom-up uh, remains the backbone of the military instrument of power. Colonel Van Boxmeer, thank you for your time. I've learned a lot from this, and I really enjoyed your last statement here, talking about knowing each other before you need to know before you need each other. You're right; it's too late to consider civil cooperation after the fact and interoperability between our forces, especially in crisis. So, thank you for your time, sir, and thank you for all you're doing at the uh, CIMIC COE. Thank you, Major Raza, for the invitation, and I hope that this podcast contributes to a better understanding of the positions of COEs the role of the CCUE and the cooperation with United States Civil Affairs. Again, for more information about the CCUE, I recommend to visit our website, simic-coe.org, or follow us on social media. For the listeners, thank you for listening, and I look forward to a continuation of our relevant and productive cooperation. The Unomia Journal is expanding its content to reach a broader audience and engagement across defense and governments to include other partners and allied countries. New sections in the Warrior Scholar Corner and the Team Room aim to deliver content useful to our members. Check out the Unomia Journal at www.unomiajournal.com. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory. In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government Solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com.